Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on Spin the Rally Pod, where we're going to be focusing on the Arctic Rally Finland. I'm rally fan Lisa O'Sullivan, and with me, as always, our crack team of rally good talkers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Former motorsport team boss George Donaldson, Dirtfish contributor and voice of Rally Colin Clock, and Dirtfish.com's senior staff writer David Evans, who today can feel pretty smug because we all made a prediction about who would come out on top in the snow. And to be fair to us all, we didn't do too badly. George, you went for Elvin Evans. He came home in fifth. Colin, your choice, Craig Breen, was fourth. I was denied a glorious victory after backing Callie Rovenpera, who was second, just 17.5 seconds behind the winner, Oit Tanak, as predicted by Mr. David Evans. Beckham, take a bow. Yes, thank you very take much. Bow, David. I think, I'm happy to say I, I'm on I, form. I'm always, I'm always incorrect as usual. I'm going to stop backing anyone <laughs> because I, I, am, I the, am I the kiss of death? Poor Elfin. I'm but, sorry. But I think actually on, a, on the video, I did change my mind and back Elvin. Uh, yeah. oh, when we got into the event, but before we get any, before we go any further, if you further, go back any... to listen to the last episode that we recorded, you said Tanak. Wait, Tanak. So that's what counts. Yeah. Right, but yeah. least most importantly, what we have to say, what I have to say right now, is a massive congratulations to you because you have achieved something that Colin Clark failed to achieve <laughs> in a week in Finland, <laughs> and that's just to get the name of the event right. Well done. <laughs> What is it called? Yeah. yeah, I struggled with that. I struggled. <laughs> I, I wanted to put extra words into it, but I'm always a little bit verbose, aren't I? <laughs> Arctic Rally of Finland. Oh, the Arctic God. Rally of Finland. I very rarely went with just Arctic Rally Finland. It had, yeah, lots of Keep different it names in my books. But Lisa, Lisa, I, I, fair play to David. Fair play. You yeah. know, that, that was a fair call from him. But if you want to call me Mr. Call rocket from now call. on, if you want to call me Mystic Call, just have a little look at one of our videos from, from the Arctic Rally Finland. Yeah, no, no, hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. You two can't do this because in episode 42, where we were looking ahead to the Arctic Rally Finland, George said, can I name the three drivers I think might win? And we all said no. So you can't just keep <laughs> chopping and changing on different formats. No, no, this is nothing to do with drivers winning. This is to do with picking out treacherous corners okay. that potentially might catch one of our drivers out. About two hours later, Sebastian Ogier comes into the very same corner and ends up in a snowbank. Yeah, literally two hours after Colin had been saying, the camber here is terrible. I would really imagine that Ogier is going to struggle in this left-hander. Well, well, let's take us through it. Let's take (laughs) us through the rally. I mean, first of all, what was it like out there? It looked beautiful. It was was absolutely stunning. It, It really was. It's what... You know, every year when we go to Sweden, we hope we're going to see in Sweden. It was, you know, beautiful, beautiful roads with a lovely white base with D 
decent-sized snowbanks, trees that were heavy with snow, and the countryside. Just those beautiful... The lovely thing about snow and when you get deep snow is it's just you're rolling mounds of snow everywhere. There's a lovely kind of look to the, the countryside and the hillside and the fields and the, the lanes, and it was just absolutely beautiful. And, yeah, the absolute perfect winter conditions. You know, it got warm, I'd have to say. It got, it got less relatively cold. warm. Less cold, but then then up to, to plus two, plus three degrees at one point. But, no, it was magnificent. And, and the rally itself was just, just wonderfully run and wonderfully organised, as you would expect from the organisers of Rally Finland. Uh, and it was a great, great week. Um, you know, great competition, great setting, really good fun. We did say that road position would make a difference. And it did. It it absolutely did. That was... I was disappointed it did. Oh, yeah. I, I think, I mean, it did. Would it be fair, Cole, do you think, to say, and, and George, that it, it made the difference because it warmed up? Yeah. And it, and mm. it softened that top layer, didn't it? No doubt. It softened the top layer. And, and what we didn't see and what, you know, George, when we talked to you about it before the event, you've seen snow dust. We talked to Christian Solberg before the event and he said, look, it's always a problem in the Arctic Rally. Well, remember, the Arctic Rally is run in January where 90% of the time the temperatures are below freezing. Uh, you know, the snow dust only happens when you get cold, cold temperatures. And we didn't get those cold temperatures. And mm. as you say, David, you know, it loosened or it softened the surface mm. and the snow dust wasn't there. So the guys at the front of the field didn't have that to compensate for the fact they were cleaning. And it definitely made a difference. But, uh, uh, you know, don't forget, Cali Rovenpera was, what, fourth on the road. And, and he did a good job on Friday evening. He was only 20-odd seconds off the lead. So Jerry uh, Neville was it, third on the road and he finished yeah. third. Absolutely, yeah. So, so it, it certainly made a difference. Breen and Tanak starting at the back definitely, definitely made the most of it. Um, but you know that that George, you know that that's the way it is. You know, sometimes you yeah. win, sometimes you lose. You know, on, on gravel, if it rains, well, you want to be the first car on the road. Most of the time, you don't. Mm. Yeah, but e- equally, mm. you know, I think so Tanak, George, Tan- mm. yeah, Tanak, well, Tanak Finland, just looked Finland, incredibly, yeah. incredibly um, confident throughout. You know. Almost, you'd say that wherever Tanak had started, you know, he did not look like a man who was going to lose that rally. Well, do you think if he'd started on the road before Rovenpera, he'd have beaten Rovenpera? Yeah. You were yeah. the one, Colt. You were the one that was saying he's got, he's back to his best. He's back to his killer instinct and he's back to rah, all that stuff that he had in, in Toyota. <laughs> and, you know, he did, though, didn't he? You know, he looked, he looked entirely kind of at ease with everything, with the speed. He had that. He had that one moment in, I think it was stage five, where he pinged it off the snowbank. Um, but he, he looked like a man who got a little bit in reserve. Yeah, yeah, he controlled it. I'd say after Friday night, even you know, yeah. we asked him on Saturday lunchtime. You know, are you now in control mode rather than lead building mode? Uh, and he said, you're always just going as fast as you can. But I'm not so sure. I think Friday night he did a great job, and he was able then to to moderate the risk. And that that's really uh, the advantage. And that's the luxury of having even a 20-second lead is that yeah. you can pick and choose where you're pushing. And he, he pushed hard most of the time, but the times where maybe there was that extra jeopardy, that extra risk, well, he didn't have to push to the absolute max because he had that lead. And you look at the times on the the, uh, the stages and the stage wins, and his stage wins came in the first half of the rally. Uh, the second half of the rally, as you would expect, a little bit more cautious, and uh, and just maintaining that lead, and he was he was magnificent, and he you know he's he's a real threat this year. He's a real threat with the rallies now 
behind him, you know, the, the initial bedding in period with Hyundai more or less behind him and the car improving on every event. He's a real threat this year. Like he's he said himself, Colin, you know, no excuses this year. He spent last year getting to know the team. He knows the team now. And from from him and from the team, he doesn't want any excuses. You know, he's got the chance. He's got the car. So it's up to it's up to him and to Hyundai to go and win the championship. But I think we saw a real statement from Thierry Neville in, in yeah. Finland. Uh, you know, potentially Neville is looking stronger than ever. As we said, you know, he came in. His season was compromised just on the on the eve of Monte Carlo when obviously Nicola Gilsul walked out or they parted company or whatever uh, and Martin Videghi arrived, new co-driver. Um, and after just two rounds, you know, he's only four points behind Kelly Rovenpera in the championship. I think that is the best, best, best possible start that Thierry could ever have hoped for uh, after what happened just before Monte. Can I, I ask you mentally, what the... The language issues Sorry. were between him and Martin in the car. Did it's, they just have a misunderstanding? No, Martin is, speaks Flemish, uh, apparently. Uh, and when he speaks French, the accent is not, it's not exactly the same. Uh, it's not instantly recognisable in the way that it was with, with, uh, with Gilsul. So Thierry said he's, he's really struggling with just selected words that are not coming out. You know, there's nothing wrong with the with the. the Is this like itself. a British thing where you've got a really scouse scouser talking to a really cockney no. cockney? <laughs> no, no, it's Flemish a, and, and French are quite different languages, surely. No, but it's it's yeah, not the are. word, George. It's it's not the word. He's getting the word out in French, but it's it's coming out and it doesn't sound like well, it because his accent. Yeah, his accent. Yeah, and it's not. And if if, if yeah, Jane so it's not Bill. a different word at all. You know, it's nothing to do with the Flemish and French thing. It's the fact yeah. that he's not speaking French. In a way that's recognisable to Thierry for, for these odd words, but it's not so, yeah, just I... that. That that simplifies it, David. That 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 in some ways oversimplifies it because, as I understand it, you know, if they were having a conversation face to face, there'd be no issues. He'd understand yeah. every word. The yeah. problem comes at particular moments in the car where where the noises, the engine noises, the high revs. At particular points, he's uncertain as yeah. to the word, the the particular word that's coming out. So it's it's when there's there are other factors, there are other you know audio factors that are interfering, if you like, with the uh, with his uh, the way he processes the sounds. Mm. That is where the problem comes. So it's <clears throat> it's a real issue. It's a real issue. They've looked at the problem, the intercom yeah. system to see whether maybe it's something to do with the intercom system picking up the the highs and the lows on the audio differently. I think they've kind of established there's not much more they can do with the, the intercom system. So what did he say to you, David? He said they're talking about what we would we would call maybe elocution lessons or yeah, something exactly. like that. And that's the point. You know, he wants him to pronounce his some of these words with more of a French twang, if you like. Uh, two solutions for this. <laughs> I'm speaking as a team manager. Yep. Yeah. Okay, first of all, as a team manager, I'm going to say... Go and sort out your contractual issues with Nicholas Gilsell. The man was an absolute gentleman and he obviously felt very hard done to. So go and sort that one out. But I suspect that's all very damaged now, so that'll never happen. And the other one is, uh, God rest his soul, old Jim Bamber would have made a really funny cartoon out of this. It would have been amazing. And if anyone doesn't know who Jim Bamber is, go and just look it up. You'll find some Jim Bamber cartoons absolutely hilarious on the day. And and almost certainly, LOLO would have been in that. Yes. Oh, yes. Just it would just be stunning. 
another yeah. British reference. We have to go. Jim was Jim was good internationally. He, he was. <laughs> George, I think I think the point you make though about about Gilles is interesting. Um, you know, I, I think I think there may have been more efforts to perhaps come to some sort of agreement and to to smooth over the issues that they have if Monte Carlo had gone really badly. Uh, and then clearly, had Arctic Rally gone badly, he would have been looking for another solution, not just an intercom or you know, uh, an audio solution. He'd have been looking for another co-driver. But as David says, it's the best start he's had in a very long time. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you'll know, George, as well as anyone, that, that sometimes your drivers who, like, like I suppose, Nouvelle, who is, you know, he's, he's forever the bridesmaid, isn't he? What's he had? Four or five second places in the championship? You, you keep doing the same thing and you're going to get the same results. Sometimes things have to change. Many and drivers change. have done that. Yeah. yeah, it's a forced change. And it may well be that it's clearly not not working. Can you do that as a double negative, David? Yes, you can. To use that? you can. I'm going to let you do the so double negative. I understand. Thank you. It's, not, it's, it, it, it's working. It's not working perfectly. But, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, the knock-on effects sometimes of these things are, are difficult to actually spot immediately. Yeah. You know, there well, may be other yeah, things yeah. that are improving because of the relationship. So, well, you know, I, I think he'll stick with him. I'm absolutely certain he'll stick well, he, with him. Well, he will, call because we asked him, you know, st- straight out. You know, does, does Martin stay in the car yeah. for Croatia? Yes. You know, almost before I'd got the question out, yes. And they're doing this, uh, this event in Italy in the R5 car for one reason to build mm. confidence and per- personally i think you know the psych the psychological aspect uh, of Thierry being where he is having come through that really difficult start will really help him uh moving mm. forward and you know as we said croatia we don't know too much about it you know it's a little bit like a, a corsican type of surface on on the tarmac there if we get some inclement weather some compromised conditions you know Thierry could be one of the main players there now absolutely Absolutely. Totally well, there's long there's long history of 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 both drivers keeping their co-drivers and and uh, and changing them and and with de- de- with varying degrees of success in in both mm. um, in both fields. You know, you might say that Yari Matilavala always stuck with with Mika, who's a fantastic co-driver, and there was lots of people said on many many occasions that Yari should change his co-driver. You know, to 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 get a benefit of change. Uh, but Yari chose not to, and and I would I would uh, um, it would have been a really hard decision uh, to, to have made the change because Mika was the commensurate professional, and I think did an incredible job in the car. But you know you, you've got uh, many drivers. For instance, Tanak, he changed his co-driver very regularly for a time, and never seemed to break step, except if there was an issue. He would get rid of that co-driver and get the next one until there wasn't an issue. I was thinking Did of Danny Sordo. I was thinking of Danny Sordo, who is yeah. very similar to Thierry Neville yeah. and having played second fiddle um, throughout the championship at times. Yeah. And, you know, chopped and changed and, you know, has gone back to a co-driver as well. Mm. Yeah. Two or three times he's gone back to the same <laughs> co-driver. Yeah. This, this one he's got this year, whose name eludes me for a second. This is a completely new co-driver to him. But George, the the, the Danny, the, Danny sorry, the uh, Oit Tanak example you give is a really good one because mm. you know when Oit Tanak changed his co-driver for Martin Yarvioha, a lot of people said this is madness. You know this this kid's yep. really he's got massively limited experience in the WRC. He has never been in a top level car. Tanak needs someone strong and firm next to him. You know, and there was a lot of talk at the time he, he should perhaps go with an English speaking co-driver because there were plenty of those around. But no, he picked Martin, and from 
the first stage of the first rally together, you know, it was like a different Tanak. And there were yep. never, ever, ever, as far as I can remember, any issues in that pairing. Yep. It just no, but just worked really well and, and Tanak went on to great success because of, but it, well, I, because I, of it. Sorry, David, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, the world championship winning co-drivers, George, you'll know this, they're of a type. You know, they are not short on self-confidence uh, and they know exactly what they've got to do when they've got to do it. Uh, and, and Martin, uh, Yavi Oya, that is, you know, whether or not he's got a lot of experience at a WRC level, he had those attributes that are necessary to succeed uh, in the championship. But on top of that, you know, you... you when you're coming to these to these current generation world rally cars, you've got to have a head for speed, uh, and you've got to have the ability to get notes out incredibly quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. And that, you know, if if uh, if Croatia is like Corsica, then you know, for the third event on the bounce, it's going to be a huge test mm-hmm. uh, for Martin Videghi because it will be hard to keep firing those notes out. You know, on tarmac, goodness me, this, they, they come so quickly, don't they? Yeah. They really do, and there's so much detail in in them, you know. And I mean, I'm not sure what Croatia is going to be like, but I can imagine it'll be a lot of black tar roads and changes of surfaces. All will have to be incorporated into the notes with extra caution, depending whether with it's wet potential, or dry. Yeah, yeah, cuttings, gravel notes in there as yeah, well. Yeah, gravel before notes we, on top. Before we move Massive. on to Croatia, though, let's let, let's yes. kind of move back towards oh, Arctic. Let's get cold uh, again. Let's yeah, let's get, get, let's get chilly, crisp. chilly before we get toasty warm. Um, yeah. The, the other performances that we, I mean, we all did pick drivers that finished in the top five. So, you know, we could sit back and feel quite smug. But did the Arctic Rally Finland play out the way it should have done? And and did it kind of run truthful? No. I mean, obviously not for Ogier, but... Uh... 100% not, Lise. You know, it, it didn't because, you know, before the event, pretty much everybody was talking about Toyota with, with good reason. Toyota hadn't been beaten in Finland since... 2016, when they weren't even there. Uh, you know, they had such a strong record. Cars built there, cars designed there, everything is done there. Uh, it was a fair assumption that they would be right at the sharp end and an equally fair assumption that Cali Rovenpera would be leading the charge. Um, and for whatever reason, Yeri Matti has promised to come back to us with that reason uh, once they've done their, uh, their investigation. They think it's something to do with the test road. I'm not sure about that because, you know, Everybody, possibly with the exception of M Sport, who tested just the weekend before the event. So, Hyundai and Toyota both tested, as you well know, Cole, in the super cold conditions of yeah, sort of minus but, 25. But here's what surprised me on the test, David. I, I don't think so much it was perhaps the temperatures that were so different. I, you know, I, I think they did quite a lot of testing around Uvascular, and the road surface around Uvascular was very, very different to the road surface on the test. And what surprised me was that we had Ogier uh, testing, we had uh, obviously Katsuta-san testing, I was at both of those tests. Both of them went off when I was there, and I spoke to both of them. And what Ogier said really, really surprised me. He went off on the third run, and he started talking about the tyres and how he was caught out and that they weren't gripping and how they needed to be narrower uh, and all those sorts of things. I thought, but hang on, last week you had a day's test in in Uvascular, you know. Um, and, and I think he'd had a previous test as well around Rovaniemi. It, it just surprised me. I thought, why, why are they being caught out by, by the tyres and the lack of grip and whatever, the snow clearing effect, all that, when they've had so much running around Uvascular? So I, I don't know. I, I don't know I, whether they had the I right think, test road or not, but here's I, what, what I do know I about the it, test roads. 
it wasn't so much the surface of the road though, Carl, was it? It was Yerry Matthew did say it was the nature of the of the corners. Did he yeah. say there, well, yeah. there were not enough yeah. short corners or something like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but there was an issue with the, with the nature of the road. I think you know the 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 grip in the road was 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 different. Oh, sorry, it was the same because mm. ice is ice is ice. You know, it wasn't it wasn't water. I wouldn't have thought the roads would be watered in Evascular, uh, and they weren't watered for their test in in Rovaniemi either. Um, but you know, the, the George. I mean, how much of a difference does it make if you're testing and you're running on a surface in minus thirty, and then you're competing uh, on a surface in in two or three degrees? Well, fortunately, it it should be probably the same for everyone at that point, generally speaking. But if it's not, I think you could be in trouble. We talked about that pre-event. There is always a risk that someone sets their car up. And, you know, when, when, when Ogier says, you know, these tyres, he didn't feel he was getting the grip to them and we didn't understand it. It's a, it's We are talking about the last couple of percent only. You know, everything would have been 99.9% .9 perfect, but that doesn't matter because it ain't 100%. And that's enough to just knock these guys off. And it does. Yeah. And, and it, it's not, it's it's not unfair or wrong. It's no... no, uh, it's no comment on the driver's ability or anything like that far from it it's just just how it is and we we hadn't seen calais looking lost Oof. and it's fair to say friday evening saturday lunchtime he looked lost he i mean perhaps not so much lost just frustrated frustrated Dejected, because he knew frustrated. yeah he yeah. had that opportunity and it and it didn't play out and yeah it's and it, in a in you know just over a year with Toyota Gazoo Racing, he has not had that. You know, he's had the perfect car pretty much all the time. Um, and so, you know, to come away with the result that he came away with mm, demonstrates you know, tremendous maturity yeah. and, you know, the drive of a championship leader. Yeah. The, the, world, again, the world championship's youngest ever championship yeah. leader. But, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and incredible. Worth more discussion there, of course. But, again, you know, you say he was completely lost. He's only lost in that he couldn't understand why he wasn't being able to match Ottanak uh, from, you know, what he'd already said was the ideal position on the road, just exactly mm. where he wanted to be. So it's the, it's, it's almost, it's almost not, not as if they're questioning the car, they're questioning themselves and their own ability more than I, questioning the car. And I'm, I'm I, and again, I'm not trying to be overly smart here or, or question or deride the driver in any way far from it. You all know me well enough to know I wouldn't do that. But uh, it's just a question of their own confidence. You know, they thought were, it, they thought they were going to be in a great position. And it was behold, completely the other way around, though, George. Yeah. You know, because Robin Perra said, "I know I'm driving well. I know that I'm. You know, everything is right from my side, and the time's not there." Mm -hmm. He, you know, he was totally confident in what he was doing behind the wheel, but the car just wasn't. You know, there was a load of understeer in the car. He couldn't get a balance right. Mm. All of these things we'd never really heard him say before, and. It was the same with, with Elvin. You know, when Elvin got into the ruts on the second pass, he was struggling like hell. Mm. But first pass, we saw, you know, both of his fastest times came on the first pass. Uh, you know, yeah. it was a, it, equally, Hyundai historically has been stronger where there's been more grip in the road on that second pass. Uh, so it was, it was a really odd one. For sure, yeah. Arctic Rally Finland did not play out the way we expected it. Well... I mean, it'll be. I mean, as you know, Yerry Matty's promised to come back to us with the with the the lowdown on it and and all strength them for that. But I think it'll be very very difficult to pin it down properly. Mm. As a team, you go away, and you 
whilst you do a debrief for this event, you're doing that with a view to focusing forward. Did we make any mistakes here? What were they? Let's make damn sure we don't do it again. Do we need to throw in an extra test? I've even yeah. seen, I mean, I know I've, I've been party to a couple of times when we when we were in the in the past, when I've been in a team that was, you know, have, have given a woeful physical performance where we should have been doing much better. You've actually gone back and tested again uh, to, to, to find the reason. I've even gone back and taken rally stages and tested over them right. again to figure it out. Uh, and, and sometimes they've, they've found, you know, really silly things like, you know, a shock absorber was built wrongly. You know, has the person putting the diffs together? You know, have the, you know, they're talking about understeer. Has something been assembled incorrectly that's managed to go right through the whole, the whole yeah, uh, process, the whole, the whole, all, all four cars or all three cars, should we say? Um, so yeah, the, there's a there's a potential for a mistake like that to have happened. You know, it's something that you probably wouldn't normally consider, but. It could be. I've seen shock absorbers assembled incorrectly. I've seen diffs assembled incorrectly. Mm. You know, you, you've we've yeah, had situations. Yeah, you had situations but, where people have gone out and and finally they've discovered they've been running on the wrong tire pressure. You know, I mean that's a that's a, uh, a one hundred and one, uh, even below one hundred and one level on that. But <clears throat> it can be as simple as that. What you got to say though is, much as Toyota underperformed. I think it's reasonable to say they underperformed. You know, Hyundai, they got it right. Did they overperform? I don't know, but they certainly performed at the level that we would hope to, that we did hope to see. You know, for, for me, Adamo put massive pressure on everyone, himself included, before the event, because you're looking at it saying, goodness me, you know, you're demanding a win, you're demanding a return to form on an event that, you know, could be really, really difficult for any of your drivers to win. Uh, and at the end of the day, you look at it, he had, what, four cars in the top seven, three cars in the top four. It was a complete reversal of fortunes mm -hmm. for Hyundai and, and Toyota. And To, to, to be uh, fair, yeah. also, Colin, though, I mean, you know, we say that, you know, Toyota weren't at the races. Cali Rovenpel is only, only 17 <laughs> seconds off the lead. <laughs> and he's no, in no, front no, of Thierry and he's in front of Craig, you know, and, and, and in yeah. fairness, Elfin's less than 10 seconds behind Craig Breen. So it could have been yeah. two, no, no, two no, in the top it, four. It wasn't a disaster. I, it wasn't a disaster. But I, I, don't, I think, I don't think that, they that sorry, mate, that in itself is 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 a is a pointer to just what we expected from Toyota, isn't it? You know, the fact that we look upon a seventeen mm -hmm. second or whatever defeat by for for Cali Robin Perra as a as a as a fairly significant failing. Counting, you're you're suggesting it's yeah. you know it's <laughs> hang your head in shame. Take the walk of yeah. shame. Not the quite. Plank. Not quite, yeah. Georgie. But, but well, good. I'm glad <laughs> we're getting some perspective on this. Thank goodness. But, but equally, you, you look at Monty and, and yeah. Hyundai's result, and Monty wasn't so bad. Two cars in the top five. Yeah, but and it was a disaster Thierry, as, far as, as far as Adamo was concerned. But Thierry said, and was very, very careful not to contradict uh, the word of Adamo, but Thierry did say that you know he didn't feel it was quite as bad uh, as Andrea made out. And I think there's some justification in that, really, because... You know, he, he, his, as we've already discussed, his event was compromised, but he was on the podium. Uh, you know, Tanak was unfortunate, fastest on Friday night on both the stages in, in Monty, and then had, had his, had his puncture issues. And, and that was, that ruled him out. Sordo was, you know, a little bit, um, disappointing, but I could see where Thierry's coming from there. But equally, you can see Adamo's point that he saw it from the inside and he saw, you know, his own frustrations that he wasn't able to prepare 
in the way that he wanted to prepare. Yeah. So I'm not sure yep. where I've well, talked okay. this around to. Uh, I'm one, not quite sure where you have either. Whizzing back. It's quite interesting Arctic. that that, that Adamo, Adamo, you know, you know, he talks like some sort, some form of uh, you know, very aggressive football manager that's been there and done it all himself. Well, well, he hasn't. He hasn't sat in a car and driven it at those speeds. And that's, that's fairly harsh in many ways, his behaviour towards uh, the drivers and fairly demanding. But by God, you know what? When you make massive demands of people, when you drive them hard, and for this you've got to give Adamo 100% marks, he probably riles up those drivers and gets them all quite excited at times. Probably. Well, and, he definitely um, riles them up. You know, back-to-back well, back world championships. a hell of a thing to do. themselves, don't they? You know? Yeah. He's, so it's it is it's a different style of management, certainly to to yeah. the one that we see at Toyota now but, with Yari but, but, but it George, works for them. But is is there a point where you're going too far, where you're intimidating drivers, and where you're you're putting almost too much pressure on them, too much expectation on them? Is, well, is it Colin, possible to do it, that? It, yes, of course it is. You know, I mean, like let's say shouting the odds at a driver, and you know, a drivers come in from a dreadful morning. You know, you'll need to do a lot better than this, or you're not driving for me again. The driver goes out and has a terrible accident. You know, mm. that sits on Adamo's shoulders when he shouted, shouted at a driver like that. That's a very, very, very big thing. To, I mean, ultimately, you know, he wasn't in the car and he wasn't driving it, but it's a big thing to carry on your shoulders. Yeah. And I yeah. think that was that. You know, if, if you, you know, if, if if Toyota's now being run by a committee, somebody's going to have to step up and actually be the hard guy and the bad guy that's going to actually push every now and again, and not necessarily mm. as hard as I was suggesting that uh, that somebody could. But it's occasionally someone's got to stand up and be the tough guy in a team because otherwise, you know, George. whole lot of teams of committees yeah. doesn't work. You don't win with it. Doesn't that. work. I, that's nope. the first time I've heard that said, and and it kind of shocked me when you just said that, George. But it's absolutely right. It is being run by committee, um, and and you know, certainly from things that I've observed in the past, it's it's not a natural way to success. I'm, you know, I'm not sure about that, but I, I think is, there is. George, I would, David, I would you know I'll counter what I said, Colin. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's been run from the committee by the way it's been presented to the press. But look, you've got some great people in there. And and we mm. talked about this when we first started. Yari Mate is the guy that's got to be the tough guy sometimes to say, look, no, I'm sorry, we're going to have to, you're all coming back for another yeah. test because I'm not satisfied with the results we've got. I'm not liking what I'm hearing. I've that got a little niggle in the back of my mind that says, we're not doing enough here. Guys, back to the test. I want you to all double wouldn't... down and do more work. Tom, Go away and, and develop this refined. I know you were going home to your family this weekend, but you're not. You're staying here. You're doing extra. I don't think Tom, I don't think Kai Lindstrom, uh, uh, um, Yari Matti, uh, these these guys are all focused on, on the job. But, uh, you know, you have to be tough sometimes. And, I don't uh, think I'm I hoping personally there's someone have... there that will be that. I think Tom will be the tough guy. Having just argued against Toyota being run by a committee, I actually don't think it will be Yari Matti that would say that at all because I think Tom is totally in charge of the technical aspect of the team. And Yari Matu would gently feed into that from what I've seen for, so far this year. Um, but How you know, does that work? It's How very work, straightforward, David? Colin, for goodness sake. The car yeah, I... is Tom's business. Tom runs the car. If Tom's not happy, as George says, with a well, certain aspect of the test, Tom says, you go back, you test again. And Yari Matu says, What if the car's yeah, not idea. performing, David? It's, who, who it's down to Tom. No, hang it, on. It's down to Tom, but who is the one that's putting the pressure on Tom other than himself? And that, that's a cop-out if we just say he puts the pressure on himself. Haruna. You know, because, Haruna's because we all at the do. top. 
he's the man at the top. So you know, we are being quite naive here if we think Yerry Matty is standing at the top of the table, banging his fist. Yerry Matty is a brilliant signing for Toyota in that he is the public face of that team. He was, he's also a driver, the most experienced driver in the history of the World Rally Championship who can feed in a whole bunch of uh, of anecdotal evidence from, from events where he's done this and, you know, 20 years ago he's done that. But it's it's a three-way thing, you know. It's Haruna, it's it's Kai Lindstrom, and it's, it's Tom Fowler. And, you know, Cole, it's not, you know, Yerry Matty would have a great deal of input, but personally, I don't see him at the same level, taking massively significant decisions, certainly not on the technical side. It's Tom's car. You know, mm. that's where it begins. I would still like to think that Yari Matti could intervene on all those levels to say, guys, yeah. I think we need to do a wee bit more. But I, and I, I, you would like I to think... I'm not saying he can't, George. I'm not saying he can't, but what I'm saying is he doesn't, I don't think, right now, because well, he's certainly two rounds into his, into, his, into his career... You know, Tom has built the car. The car is is four years into a five year cycle. Next year's car, Tom is already well on the way with the with the twenty twenty two car. I, I'm not saying that at some point, you know, Yerry Matty will have some input, but potentially Hugo Hananen's going to have more input into the car because you know he's the one that's testing it more often. This is where uh, it's a really tricky position for Yerry Matty because he's not driving the car, he's not testing the car. Therefore, you know, he's using his own experience. And but I'll tell you now, David, it's it's a difficult... And, and look, you know, these are all hypothetical situations we're talking about, but we've drawn our experience from the past to come up for what we think might happen in the future. But when you have a situation like that in any business where there is not one person taking ultimate responsibility, it rarely works. It, when, you, when you have a committee, you have a guy... I'm in charge here. This is my department. But you've got no one pushing him. You've got no one, uh, you know, with the checks and balances... You know, and I'm in charge of, of driver strategy. I'm in charge of the engine. I'm in charge of the chassis. I'm in charge of whatever. You have to have someone at the top who ultimately takes responsibility and and makes sure that everyone is performing to the best of their abilities. You know, we disagree. saw it at ProDrive. When ProDrive went, you know, to pieces, and they went to pieces, it was because no one was in charge. No one, you know, everyone was in charge of their own little departments, but no one appeared to be in charge overall. Um, I, I, I would if if the situation you're describing, David, is the correct situation, and and but, it, you know, I, it may be an ignorant view of mine, as you've said, it may be. So, Cole, did did Svens Meets have exactly the same power and authority that Jos Capito had? At oh, come on, David, that's a, that's a ridiculous comparison. No, how long no, did he, he took last? over the same position? How long did he last? Yeah, but the results well, didn't change. No, 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 no. That's that's not a reasonable. That that's that's not the same. I situation. I totally disagree. You know, if you've got each department no. firing on all cylinders. Yeah, then where's the problem? Until it what? No, no, no. That, and that is naive. That is utterly naive. How, how is it, Colin? Well, you know, that Tom Fowler's got. He's built that... the perfect car. Kyle Lindstrom knows the regulations better than anybody. You know that that's that's Toyota's that's Toyota's view. That's why he's in that position. Therefore, you've got the the bases covered. <laughs> Until things start to go wrong. Until you don't. So get when the have things results... gone wrong for Toyota? No, no, David, but it's, you can't, you, your past success does not guarantee future success. You know, you, you I have tell you what, Carl, let's, re- let's revisit this at mid-season, and I, I well, suspect... No, 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 let's not. Let's revisit it in two or three years' time. Let's okay. revisit it. In, mid-season is not, is not well, far I think, enough. I think six months will be fine, Colin. I think it'll be okay. 
I think if there's anything they, happening they, there, you'll see it. You'll see it quite quickly. Yeah, I think David. But right. I, I, it would, it would, it would. As I've said, I just, you know, I think, and this is nothing against any of the people involved in the situation. There, I know they're all absolutely A one operators, from Yari Mati to Harunasan to Kyle Lindstrom and Tom Fowler, mm. A one operators. But my my concern would be the same concern for any business, any team, without an absolute leader taking responsibility and overseeing all of the various different components, you lay yourself open to problems, to potential problems that, that go unchecked, unnoticed, until it's too late. Until it's too late. Of course, I can, I can give you an anecdote, Colin. Football podcast, we'd be talking about whether or not you sack the manager because the no, fitness no. coach is rubbish or, or well, whatever, then, mm. you know. Well, I can I can give you I can give you an anecdote relating to Toyota some years ago when I was team manager there, the last year that we competed in the World Championship '99. Our car wasn't great, hadn't been great in '98, hadn't been brilliant in '99. That was the Corolla. It was it was the drivers weren't happy with it. They weren't getting you know brilliant results. We didn't get a lot of wins. Uh, but we won the championship in '99. And we had half an idea that that was our second last year in the championship. We expected to go to 2000 before we stopped as the team moved into Formula One. But we got stopped a year early. But I ended up being really, really hard and very unpopular in my team. And I was a team manager and it, it, was, a, it was very much, you were pushed away from the technical side as much as possible, except when they needed budget, they would come to me for budget. But I managed to just... Uh, make myself very unpopular and insist on extra tests for the drivers and insist on extra developments coming. And when, when developments were asked of me, I said, well, I even asked what we were testing, what the, what we were testing. And when they, when they told me we were testing square wheels again, I basically said, no, you're not getting the budget for it. You can test if you're testing round wheels. Mm. And I mean, that was the level of ridiculousness of some of the requests I, I felt we were getting now. I maybe had no place to do what I was doing. But I made myself very unpopular with, with a number of the engineering team, I made myself very popular with other engineers in the engineering team because I just wouldn't brook the nonsense that was going on. And I drove the team really hard and, and, and we went to events and I would, we would be, you could test through the recce in those days. I was making test cars available for testing. This is a team that everyone always said had the most money. We were the only team that didn't run a helicopter on European events uh, because I wouldn't spend the money in a helicopter. I'd rather spend it going testing to try and make the car go a little bit better than it was. And by hook and by crook, I pushed everyone around me and we won that championship uh, just by the skin of our teeth. But you know, I can you can narrow it down to basically China Rally, which we won, uh, where I made a, an unbelievable effort. I, I was even getting threats from, from uh, what I was told was Chinese mafia because I was just being such a hard bugger on everyone around me. And you know, I wasn't filtering any nonsense that was coming my way. I was wasn't having it. I just bulldozed my way through it, and uh, got quite unpopular with a few, a few hoteliers and things like this. Things typically on the side of the core issues, but I just wasn't having any of it. The team was always, you know, dreading when I was walking up because I was always wanting to push things harder and make people go back out to test. The guys are wanting to have dinner. Fortunately, the food wasn't that good there, so uh, you weren't missing much by way of dinner. I would send a chef out and they could have dinner at the roadside. Uh, but, you know, I made myself quite unpopular um, as much as I could within the context of me being a team manager at that time in that team. And I can tell you... Um, 
it was all down to the fact that I was prepared to do that. That's why we got that championship. Ultimately, I was I was the last little straw that broke the camel's back that won the championship. And if I hadn't done it, we wouldn't have got it. And I think everyone involved in it at the time kind of recognised it. Like I said, I wasn't overly popular with that many people. There was three or four people that understood what I was doing uh, and appreciated it, but not many. Not even not even my boss, Uwe Anderson, really understood, although he backed me for it. Could, could we could we move just a little bit on, George? Were you at Toyota, of course you were we could, at Toyota yeah. in 1993? Yes, I was, yeah. So I would like to us to move on to 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 the yeah. to the next big topic of of last week. Hanu Mikola's final oh, Hanu, yes. Hanu Mikola's final yeah. uh, rally was Thousand Lakes as a factory driver. Sorry, uh, was yeah. the ninety three Thousand Lakes. Do you remember that event? Yes, I do very very well. It was such a privilege to get to meet with them and work with them. So I was Tell working us about as him. coordinator. I was working as a coordinator on that event. Yeah. So uh, I was the I was normally the workshop manager in Africa at that point. So Kenya would spend six months a year in Kenya. But Finland was one of the rallies I got to be the coordinator on. So I went out and did all the recce. And then uh, they were testing uh, what we what we called the fresh air system, um, which was everyone knows as anti-lag now, uh, which is basically this system where the, the throttle stays wide open. And when you lift off the throttle, you cut the fuel. So fuel cut. And you, you cut the spark and you cut the fuel. Actually, it keeps injecting fuel into the engine, sorry. And then there's the occasional spark from the uh, from the uh, from the the spark plug, usually when the the exhaust valves open, and it would ignite all the fuel in the exhaust system and spin up the turbo. It gave That's all great, George. Torque. But I wanted, what what did Hanu Mikkola? Yes. What was he like? Hanu Mikkola was the <laughs> test driver. He was the one. So he 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 hadn't been involved in terribly much testing, but he mm. was asked to do the event partly as a, a reward for being Uva's friend and giving him his very first victory. Was it in yeah. 1973, fin- uh, Finland? It was, was it yeah. 73? Yeah, so no, 20, no, 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 so no, no, it was... Uh, was it 74? Was no, I think it was 70. Was it... Was it no, uh, was it, was it 70? No, 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 it was, it was 74. S- it was the year 74, okay. between the Mark One and the Mark II Escort, wasn't it? Okay, so 20 years later, or just short of 20 years later, Uva gave him another drive, which was, you know, they were friends and they, they worked mm. together for years and Hanu gave the most incredible win in a 1600 normally aspirated car against all the BDA Escorts and mm. Lancia Stratuses or whatever the Fiat Corporation had out at that time. Amazing. But a beautifully um, balanced car, that one, wasn't it? it apparently, Toyota. Hanu said, Han, Hanu was the one that predicted the win. U- Uva wasn't mm. thinking he could win, but uh, Hanu had apparently gone to him not long before the start. And I do remember talking to Hanu. I think I got a dinner with him and Uva uh, not long before the, the start of that event. And Arn Hertz would have probably been along. And um, we had a really lovely long chat. And of course, I was just ribbing into to Hanu my first proper chance to sit and talk to one of my you know teen heroes you know when, when I first started getting involved in rallying Hanu was the man mm. Hanu was the Sebastian he was the first Sebastian Oji in my era at least it, uh, he it, was the man that everything he everything he went in an escort for a while he just couldn't lose anything you know it felt like and he was a masterful to watch never it, ever it, looked flamboyant no, a very conservative driving style. But I think in that, I'm just trying to find desperately on here, I think whatever year it was, but, but, uh, it was, uh, ah, there it is. Okay, so it was 1975. So it was between the two cars. Yeah. But yeah. it was um, it was at Soahu who co-drove. 
for him. It was. Be- now, Atso I worked the, with for years finish, as well. He was the finishing porter, wasn't he, of Toyotas? Uh, no, I don't think Atsu was the finishing he, porter of Toyota. He, he had a, a contact in the importer because apparently mm-hmm. there was no budget uh, from there was no budget from Toyota from Uva to run the car. He could give him right. the car, but he couldn't find the cash to run it. So Mickler had gone to to the finishing importer of Toyota and said, "What can we do?" Um, and Atsu and was the contact. Came, yeah, he, probably, he came up with some some so- solutions, mm-hmm. but it was an absolute sort of shoestring job with very yeah. few mechanics. Uh, and but yeah. A, from reading historically, it was a it was a car that, like you say, you know, after a, a bit of testing before the event, he suddenly yeah. realised that yeah, it's not the quickest thing, um, but it's it's the most stable. Uh, and yeah, like you and say, it could be driven driving. in a straight line. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it just it was the most fantastic chassis, a lovely, lovely, lovely car, and he drove it. He drove it just unbelievably well. Atso Aho, uh, his co-driver at that time, was also a driver. I think he'd been lying as... Did he finish, I think, maybe second or third on a Finland rally in the minis back in the back in the mid to late 60s? And So he was a driver and a co-driver. Hmm. And he was one of our key gravel note crews uh, and um, latterly weather crews. I used him yeah. for many, many rallies as a weather crew, a fantastic but it, but it, individual. Hanu was, but, I mean, he was an, an absolute gent though, wasn't he? He really was. He he absolutely was. I still can recall that meal, unfortunately, not as clearly as I might want to, but I remember being a bit of a <laughs> fanboy and apologising for myself, but I was quite clearly just beside myself with uh, with joy to be sitting at uh, at the table with um, with with him uh, at that time. So I think it might have been later before when I had that dinner. You know that? I bet it was. I bet it wasn't actually in, in 1993. I bet it was two or three years later when he was just along as a guest. That we had, yeah. that it, we had well, dinner. And, and I was going to say, he did continue to compete as a guest driver after his 123 WRC starts, 18 wins, and was driving right up until 2017. It was a lovely tweet from Vesa Mikula um, on Twitter. Mm. It said, we lost my father, Hanu, to cancer this weekend. Most knew him as a rallying great who ushered in the golden years of the sport. To me, he was dad and an incredible one at that. Always supportive, loving and genuine. Also a loving grandfather to my two boys. Rest in peace, dad. And then there's a lovely picture of him in the car with his dad. And I did like the fact that at the podium, the uh, Finnish Air Force's F-18s flew over in a, a memorial flyover, which was just, it was really um, mm. tingling. It was, yeah. and you know, beyond kind of Finland, he obviously, he remains uh, the most successful driver in the history of Thousand Lakes or Rally Finland uh, with seven wins, equally joint with obviously with Marcus Grunold, but also, you know, a, a massive, massive winner in, in Britain. He, again, doing a bit of research for a piece which has gone up today. I think it was eight times eight years in succession, he finished either first or second uh, on the RAC. And, mm-hmm. you know, won, won the 81 event in the Audi, first time the four-wheel drive car had won the, the RAC. He rolled in Grisdale and still won by 11 minutes. It's just, <laughs> just bizarre. Just, I mean, he was he was some some sort of driver. Uh, he, he, he really, really was. was. Yeah. He was tremendous. And um, as you said, uh, David, an absolute gent. He, he took me out in his helicopter on a, on a Thousand Lakes rally one year. We went out for, I think, uh, a full day. Maybe it was even a day and a half. And yeah. uh, an incredible helicopter pilot. Such mm. a nice touch. You know, nice and safe and careful. Uh, but that control, that level of control, that fineness of touch, you can feel it in the helicopter. Mm. It's really nice. 
So, and a great, yeah. great story from his from his first win in '68, as Michelle said, um, Cole. You know, not a great one for the party. Uh, mm. And after he, I guess it would have been the Rantasipi Hotel or something like that uh, in in '68. One must have been one of his first ever drives with with the Ford team, and he won the event, his first ever victory on the Thousand Lakes, and he was paid apparently three hundred pounds uh, for his appearance on the event, uh, and. Went into the bar briefly uh, to have a beer with the with the mechanics uh, after the event. After his beer, he was he was ready for bed. Obviously exhausted from his exertions on the rally, uh, and went to go up the stairs. And just as he was going out of the door, the mechanic said, oh, wait, wait, "Sorry, Hanu, which which hotel room are you in?" And Hanu turned around and said, "Obviously, yeah, six one two or three one four or whatever his hotel room was." Uh, okay, and then came down to to pay his bill the next morning, and the bar bill almost cleaned out the three hundred pound that he'd earned <laughs> for his appearance on on the event. Uh, but yeah, it just you know the thing that that really came over loud and clear in in Finland last week is the just the absolute respect that everybody had uh, for the guy, and just you know lovely stories. And if you do get a chance, do go and have a look at the the, the tribute video that Dirtfish has put together. Um, to him because just oh, lovely catch words. Oh, that, David. Yeah. yeah, lovely words. Hanny yeah. Stunning, stunning man. Yeah, stunning yeah. man. Well, that's Fantastic. that's it. I think from this edition of Spin the Rally Pod, we will be back with more. We've got to look ahead to Croatia next, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of other topics under the radar that will pop above the radar. And if you've got anything you want to ask us, best way to get in touch on Twitter hashtag Dirtfish Rally. But thank you, George, Colin, and David, once again for your company. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, guys. Speak soon. Yeah, lovely. Cheers, boys. Oh, and by the way, my battery's still got five percent. Wow, that's really good. Yeah.